This is the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Prospect Podcast. I'm Stephen Ellis. That's Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great. All righty. So we've done a lot on things like the U18s, the U20, all these big showcase events of the year. But now we're getting to the point where most of these players are done for the season. So you brought up the idea of doing kind of like a end of year unofficial awards based off of different leagues and different areas. So we're going to look at the top prospects from all these different areas. And of course, some guys still are going to be playing at the U18s or the world championships, I should say, but I think this list is a pretty good one. So let's not waste any time. Let's go with the top pick from the NCAA. He's currently playing with the Montreal Canadiens, Cole Caulfield. Why was he the top player in the or top prospect in the NCAA this year? Well, this was a pretty easy one for me. Uh, he led the nation in scoring 52 points in 31 games for the Wisconsin Badgers. He won the Hobie Baker Award. You know, I mean, he was incredibly dynamic. I mean, Cole Caulfield delivered what we wanted to. And it's funny, it's, it's not as easy to lead the nation in scoring as an NHL prospect as you might expect, because you have to remember there are older guys that stay until their senior year. They might play for a smaller school with weaker competition. So for Caulfield to actually lead the nation is very impressive. And obviously, World Junior Gold as well with Team USA. So we've got that going on for him. Uh, just overall a fantastic year for Cole Caulfield. Unfortunately, the Wisconsin Badgers got upset by Bemidji State in the first round of the Frozen Four playoffs. But other than that, uh, it was a pretty good year for Cole Caulfield. And as a runner-up, speaking of the Frozen Four, I'm going with Zach Jones, the defenseman for UMass. Uh, obviously, ended the season with the New York Rangers, the team that drafted him. Uh, third in scoring by a defenseman, and obviously had that national championship with the Minutemen as well. Zach Jones, just a fantastic young prospect. Um, I, I mean, I think we're going to see him full-time in the NHL next season, or at least you know quite a bit of time in the NHL because he's just such a good puck mover. He's so good on the blue line. Um, I mean, he does a bit of everything. So bright future ahead for both those kids. It's also worth knowing Zach Jones is on USA's world championship team. And that is one where he's actually probably going to be on their top pairing. And that yeah. may say something about the lack of superstar talent on this American team, where there is no top pairing defenseman that plays on this team. And there's no real, it, it's kind of like, him, Matt Roy, and then a couple of depth guys. It's going to be an interesting group, but I think this is an opportunity where Zach Jones is going to really impress himself. And obviously the, the Canadians are really excited about Cole Caulfield. Some fans though are a little confused as to why he's not playing right away in the, uh, with the Habs going into the playoffs. He is not going to be playing game one, but this is a guy who also had just a kind of a busy year altogether. Very true. And, you know, I, I saw Dominique Ducharme's remarks about it. it. It made a lot of sense to me. You know, Cole Caulfield, as advanced as he is as a goal scorer, he's still learning the game. He's still learning the pro game. You know, I mean, he didn't play that many matches with Laval. Uh, he didn't play that many matches with the Canadians. And, you know, Montreal, it's the playoffs. And they might be heavy underdogs to Toronto, but they obviously have a chance. And they want to make sure everybody's put in the right situation. And, you know, Ducharme said, hey, maybe 
Caulfield or Kakanyemi, uh, you know, will be there in game two. We, we don't know, but you know, they're, they're bringing them along easy and I, you know, I have no problem with it. I, I can understand why Habs fans are upset because Caulfield is certainly a dynamic presence, but you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Absolutely. Just cause he's not there for game one. Doesn't mean he might not be there for game two. So we still got time there. Moving over to the QMJHL, a defenseman I think we'll, we should expect to see at the World Juniors in a few months. Lucas Cormier, Vegas Golden Knights prospect. He's uh, just turned 19, uh, I think, two months ago. Fourth in scoring with his team. What was his season like? Well, it was fantastic. And, you know, that Charlottetown Islanders team, really dominated their competition in the queue and, and the queue season is still going on in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Charlottetown's still there uh, kind of waiting for opponents uh, in, in that playoff bracket, but you know, 54 points in 39 games, just incredibly impressive. And, and, and like I said, there was a lot of talent on that team and, and also a lot of guys that, you know, are, are still coming up that, you know, are, are kind of looking up to a player like Lucas Cormier, friend of the podcast, Oscar Plandowski, for example, who we had on, I guess, a month ago or so, uh, who also plays defense for the Islanders. Um, so, yeah, Lucas Cormier, obviously a very bright future offensive defenseman, gets a lot done out there. Uh, had a couple of sort of honorable mentions uh, with the Q. Uh, Dawson Mercer, the New Jersey Devils pick, had a fantastic year. Maverick Bork as well, uh, the Dallas Stars first rounder. He played very well. So, you know, a, a lot of players, you know, there's a lot of sort of ins and outs with the queue, the stops and starts, but um, yeah, pretty great season overall. And, and obviously the, the playoffs are still going there. All right. Going out West, we are going with a player who, uh, you know, a lot of people would expect the easy answer would be a certain uh, young phenom who went out there and uh, kind of dominated with uh, for, for a while before going to play for Team Canada, but he's not your pick. No, I went with Connor Bedard as my runner-up because he only played 15 games. Um, and But since we mentioned him, uh, you know, 28 points in 15 games. <laughs> he was a top 20 scorer in the dub, even though he only played half the schedule uh, with the Regina Pats. And obviously, Bedard was fantastic at the World Under-18s. But I felt like because there was another guy that was there the whole time that I would go with him, and that's another Vegas Golden Knights pick, Peyton Krebs, top scorer in the league, 43 points in 24 games for Winnipeg, and then, of course, uh, you know, made his debut with the Golden Knights later on. You know, Peyton Krebs, I thought he was great at the World Juniors. He's really turning into that guy that you just hate to play against. You want him on your team, but, you know, he's got a lot of skill, but he's also just nasty out there. We saw that a lot at the World Juniors where, you know, he just – he likes to get in the middle of stuff. And I really appreciate that from, from him. And, uh, you know, if he can sort of find his niche in that Golden Knights lineup, I think he can be effective very quickly. So, you know, top marks to Connor, to Connor Bedard for what he did in that very small window. Um, but let's not forget what Peyton Krebs did over an entire schedule with the ice. All right, that's two Vegas Golden Knights prospects so far that we've mentioned. So if you're keeping track, that's that's a good sign there for a team that is still only a few years old and they kind of had to start brand new with a whole new um, prospect system and they've done a good job with it. All right, the OHL did not play this year, but some of their star players did at least. Now, Mason McTavish was a guy that was outstanding at the U18s. I thought he really kind of proved, uh, proved that he can 
really be a leader. Uh, this is a guy that's got some of the craziest hair slash beard combos I've ever seen of a kid. This He literally looks like he hasn't shaved in five years, but he's like 27 and not like 18. So it's kind of strange, but what was his season like? Yeah, it was fantastic. I think I was joking during the world under 18s that Mason McTavish looks like he's in a band that I would listen to. Um, Especially when he had the beard, it was great. But as you mentioned, you know, the world under 18s, 11 points in seven games. Um, just fantastic for a kid that was already a top 10 prospect in my mind for the 2021 draft. Uh, he certainly cemented that. And now I'm kind of thinking, well, okay, does he go even a bit higher? You know, we were talking about that on the, the THN podcast the other day. Uh, what I really like though, is when he went to Switzerland to play for EHC Olten, um, he didn't just show up. He kind of like took charge. 11 points in 13 games. He was very physical. He set a tone for the team. And I I think it's great for a a kid, really, a team, to go over and play against men on bigger ice against competition you've never seen before and to not be intimidated. I thought that was really fantastic. So, uh, you know, good on Mason McTavish for making the most of, you know, a a very difficult situation this season with, with no OHL in Peterborough for him. Uh, my runner up is another player that obviously went over to Europe, uh, Brant Clark. And again, a world under 18 gold medalist with Canada. Uh, he was named to the media all-star team for the tournament and well-deserved seven points in seven games. Not too bad. Um, you know, should have been with the Barry Colts, but couldn't do that. So he went over to Slovakia, played for Novi Zamke, uh, a team that really struggled to score early on. And once Brant Clark kind of figured out what he needed to do over there and got used to the bigger ice. Uh, He really helped them get in the right direction. 15 points in 26 games as a defenseman, you know, again, in a league he had never played in on bigger ice, you know, the the only ding on Brant Clark has been his skating mechanics aren't the best. So for him to succeed uh, over there, you know, on the bigger ice where skating is kind of at a premium, Again, I think it speaks uh, volumes to the quality of this youngster. And uh, therefore, I'm, I'm calling him the runner-up for the OHL, even though he will probably go ahead of Mason McCabbage. I will say that I really, really hope the team that picks Brant Clark will also get Shane Wright, just because I love <laughs> that Don Mills connection. And that team was so much fun to watch. And if they could somehow get Brandon Ottman in there, even better. All right. So we looked at two Vegas guys. We looked at a few guys who are undrafted because they're going to get drafted this year. But we're talking about another Montreal Canadiens guy this time. Who are we talking about? Well, USHL. Yeah, talking USHL here, the league that uh, probably the most successful schedule uh, of anybody uh, other than the NHL, which we'll also talk about. Uh, The USHL, you know, at one point they were on track to have 97% of their games completed. Uh, and I, I think they probably hit that mark. They're in the playoffs right now. And, um, you know, it's the Chicago Steel and the Fargo Force in the final. And Chicago offensively has been led by Sean Farrell, the Montreal Canadiens draft pick. 101 points in 53 games in the regular season. First USHL player since Kevin Waugh with Lincoln to hit 100 points. Um, that was back in 2011-12. And... For people that don't know the USHL that well, it's a hard league to score in. It, it, you know, you get a lot of uh, veteran junior players, guys waiting to go to college. 
Um, you know, it, it's pretty chaotic and uh, you can get some very good defensive teams. Now this year, that Eastern conference, it was just fireworks all over the place because you had Chicago where, you know, they had Farrell, they had Matt Coronado, Mackie Samuskevich, Eric Middendorf, the veteran, Josh Doan, who's up for the draft this year. I mean, they were scoring all over the place. Muskegon was much the same. You know, anytime those two teams played, it was like 8-7. It was glorious. Uh, and then you had the NTDP as well, uh, just to toss in another a lot of firepower. So it was really fun. But, you know, for Sean Farrell, you know, he was supposed to be at Harvard this year. Obviously, the Crimson canceled their NCAA campaign before it started. So he went back to the USHL. You can't ask for much more than basically two points a game uh, in what was kind of a supersized USHL because you had those college kids coming back. You had some WHL kids like Cole Sillinger and Matt Savoy that came in, Bear Hughes as well. So it was a tough year, but it was a really fun year. And Sean Farrell really stepped up as a runner up. Uh, I'm going with Mason Lowry, uh, the defenseman from Green Bay. Boston Bruins draft pick. Uh, he ended up sixth overall in scoring, and he was a defenseman. 59 points in 48 games. Every time I watched the Gamblers, when they needed a goal late, it was always Mason Lowry. This guy was just so clutch. Uh, and again, he does it from the blue line, logs a lot of minutes there. And uh, I just thought he was super impressive. And, uh, you know, he'll head off to college next season, and I'm sure he'll do very well there. Uh, but you know, kudos to Mason Lowry because he really stepped stepped up for that team. I don't think I was alone in thinking Lowry getting picked in the second round by Boston last year seemed a little early, but I think that something yeah. just last last eighteen months or so, his games just really really impressed. It's hard to ignore him. So uh, you know what? Kind of like uh, with Columbus at uh, Chinikov, I think that Boston may have found something kind of pretty. Well, I don't want to say special, but a really nice diamond rough. It was a good one, and he is a bit older. Um, but, I mean, he's, he's producing now, and you, you head into college, and, uh, you know, you go from there. I think he's in a really good spot right now. All right. We're going to go to the NAHL, and I don't actually want to even attempt to pronounce this guy's name, because even though I've watched him play many times, I've never got his name correct. Who am I talking about? Well, I have said it many times this season, and I interviewed him uh, for the web, so I'm, I'm very confident. Owen Bartoskevich the goaltender for the Wichita Falls Warriors. This is a first-year expansion team out of Texas, so not a lot of expectation, but they really put together a nice crew. And Bartoskevich, he really carried them when they needed him the most. Uh, six shutouts this season, 9-17 save percentage. Got him into the playoffs. Uh, they're in the playoffs right now. Uh, just a, a really nice goaltending prospect. Uh, as far as I know, he has not made a college commitment yet. Is still out in the open. But I tend to think that we're seeing a lot more players kind of on the fence right now because of the transfer portal. You don't want to commit to a school as an 18-year-old and then find out that they just grabbed, you know, a veteran from another place, uh, from another program, and you're not going to, you know, see any ice time. So I, I'm not surprised that there's still some goalie prospects. Uh, and just prospects in general that haven't made their commitments. But whoever gets Bartoskevich is getting a real good goaltender. Uh, and runner-up, I'm staying in net because that's kind of the NAHL specialty, uh, especially this year because the USHL had so many veteran goalies that you really didn't have a lot of ice time for, for kids that are up for the draft the first time. Uh, you know, Hobie Hedquist with Dubuque, you know, we thought maybe he would get some, some good starts this year. It didn't happen. 
Um, so the NHL kind of benefited from that, uh, that talent. I'll, I'll call it a drain, but I don't know if that's the right word for it because you're getting good players. Um, so my runner up in the NHL is Arseny Sergeyev with the Shreveport Mudbugs. Fantastic name for a team. They got some really great jerseys too. Uh, 14, four and two record, nine thirty six save percentage, you know, didn't play much early in the year, uh, but started playing more and, and earning more spots as he went. And he's just been lights out another 2021 draft prospect, just like Bartoskevich. And I'm kind of hoping there is the chance that those two teams, Wichita Falls and Treeport could meet in the second round of the NHL playoffs. It's going to be tough. They both have great first round opponents. But if Bartoskevich and Sergeyev could face each other one more time, it would be awesome. Because I remember watching them head-to-head during the regular season, and it was an absolute barn burner goaltending clinic. Um, so a lot of fun options there. But great seasons by both those kids. And I, I would expect them to get drafted. Uh, don't know when, because, you know, goalie drafting is voodoo. And uh, this year in particular is just going to be wild all around but I'm pretty excited to see about what they can do in the future. The NHL gets discounted a lot because it's not the USHL and that's where all the top prospects typically go. But for goalies, it's proven to actually be a pretty solid route. You look at Cole Brady, Isaiah Seville, Ethan Hader in kind of recent years. It's actually a pretty solid avenue for goaltenders. It really is. And, you know, you look historically, Connor Halbach played Mm -hmm. in the NHL. Ben Bishop played in the NHL. Ryan Miller played in the NHL. Like, if you're young uh, and lanky in a lot of cases and you need starts, that's where you go. And you get your ice time and then you work your way up the ladder. You, you usually go USHL the year after that and then you go to college. Uh, it's a really good route. Get, getting starts is really important. And if you, you, the, you go yes. wherever you, you go where you can play because the, you, you'll see some really good goalies that will go on good major junior or good USHL teams and will be the backup goalie and they don't play much. And that doesn't help your development. So, again, NHL, a very good place to go. Now, here's one where we're going to talk about the AHL. And obviously, ton of prospects in the AHL. That's kind of a thing. But this was also a year where they got the, the influx of these junior prospects and made the whole thing pretty interesting. But who is your top AHL prospect for you? Well, I'm going with Riley Damiani, uh, the Dallas Stars prospect, obviously played for the Texas Stars. Uh, fourth in league scoring with 36 points in 36 games. This is his rookie year uh, in the AHL, so very impressive. He's not the biggest kid, but he's super competitive. I remember him with Kitchener in the OHL where, you know, he had that one huge offensive season, but even before that, he was just so useful. You could plug, you can plug him into every situation and he could help you out. Um, just a kid that can fit up and down your lineup. And that's so valuable these days. Uh, So for him to sort of blast out of the gates here in his pro career and be a point per gamer, uh, you know, during what was a a very interesting AHL campaign, as you mentioned, because you had all the junior kids, you got taxi squads for the NHL that are pulling guys up and down, you know, uh, it wasn't the the easiest of situations. And Damiani really came through. Uh, my runner-up, Tyler Benson, the Edmonton Oilers pick, uh, played for the Bakersfield Condors, obviously. That's uh, you know Edmonton's farm team. Uh, he also had 36 points in 36 games on the wing for the Condors. And you know Benson, a player where uh, it, it's been a bit of a slower development curve because he had some bad injuries early on. 
that just sort of stunted his development, but now he's really picked it up. And, you know, again, as we were talking about on the, the, the hockey news podcast the other day with Nolan Patrick, you know, you look at Tyler Benson, uh, I think he's 23 right now or something around that, but you got, you almost have to pretend he's 21 based on the games he missed early on in his, uh, his junior career. So great year for him just in terms of consistency. And, you know, we saw a lot of great kids in the AHL this year, but, you know, with Damiani and Benson, they kind of did it the whole way through and they put up the, the big numbers. So I'm going with them. I swear I've written articles that Tyler Benson is going to be the a next big thing for Edmonton, get excited for him. But I think I've been saying it for like three years now at this point, hoping soon he finally gets that opportunity to crack because he, he's proven he's such a good prospect. And about Damiani, it's actually the very first game I did color commentary for with the Mississauga Steelheads. Um, it was with uh, Victor Friendly now with the uh, Ottawa Senators as a broadcaster. Um, Damiani, I was watching him in warm-ups, and I think the guy pulled off six successful lacrosse goals. Um, there was nice. no goalie in net, but it was just fun watching him. Like, he, he was just having a good time, smiling the whole time. He, he's a talented guy. and uh, yeah. it, it's, it's good to see that Dallas got kind of a really good player out of him because this is someone who, who did get actually uh, uh, did start a game, or did play a game two years ago with the Stars, but back to the, the OHL last year and this year. Uh, I don't know what I was expecting personally from him, but a point per game is pretty good in the AHL as a rookie. Certainly. Yeah, I, I think it was great. All right, we're going to go to Finland. And if you like the Florida Panthers right now, you're looking at a team that's got a lot of talent up front. Obviously, it's not going so well against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but they had a very good regular season, some pieces that people are really excited about. And they still have a guy, Anton Lundell, yet. But Anton Lundell had quite the season over in Finland. He really did. And, you know, he didn't play the full schedule. Obviously, he missed time with the World Juniors, and uh, I think he was hurt early on. But 25 points in 26 games with HIFK uh, in Helsinki, World Junior Bronze Medal. Uh, I mean, he was fantastic for Finland as their top line center, as we knew he would be. But, I mean, he was really good. Just, you know, Lundell, he's such an excellent two-way center. And it's kind of funny because the knock on him last year was that, you know, he might be better defensively than offensively. And, you know, for a guy that was uh, a potential top 10 pick, I think some teams were thinking, okay, well, does he have enough offense to justify being a hot, you know, a high pick, or is he going to be more of that Radic Faxa guy? And you know, once he gets to the NHL, well, Anton Lindell started popping in hat tricks left and right to begin this season. Uh, so the offense is there. So good on the Florida Panthers and their scouting staff. Clearly, they saw that Lindell could be that great two-way guy. I don't know if we, it's probably not fair to call him Baby Barkoff, but like. You know, for funsies, why not? Yeah, fellow Finn with the Florida Panthers plays center. Uh, so yeah, Lundell was fantastic this year, both at home and abroad. Uh, and my runner-up in uh, Finland, Topi Niemela, the Toronto Maple Leafs pick, uh, best defenseman at the World Juniors, eight points in seven games. Uh, also played very well, you know, at home uh, in the Liga. You know, didn't put up a ton of numbers, but you know. Again, he's a young defenseman in a very competitive league. The fact that he was up there and contributing, I think, was very good. And obviously with the World Juniors, I thought he really stepped up. This was a key that, you know, last year in the draft, uh, you know, scouts were interested, but he was still pretty raw. And I think what we've seen with Niemela is that he's, he's hit that next level already, and, and that's pretty exciting. 
All right, going to Sweden. I think this is the only place the Detroit Red Wings seem to ever scout outside of maybe the QMJHL. Uh, so, what's going on in Sweden? Well, yeah, this is a great year for the Red Wings in Sweden. Um, I'm, I'm, it's funny. Originally, I had one guy in front of the other. Uh, then I had some late-breaking news when I was putting this together yesterday. So, uh, my top guy for Sweden is going to be Moritz Sider. Uh, who's actually German, but he was playing in the SHL with Rogla. Uh, he was just named SHL Defenseman of the Year. So, I mean, how can he not be the best prospect in Sweden uh, after that? 28 points in 41 games, a physical force for Rogla, uh, who have awesome uniforms. They're kind of Edmonton Oilers style, but with a, with a bird on top. I don't know if it's a hawker or an eagle, but it's pretty good. Um, so yeah, fantastic two-way game. I mean, we all love Moritz Sider. We know that the future is, you know, sky high for him and, you know, getting loaned out so he can get games this year. Uh, you know, I, I think that was the right call and, you know, he could have gone to the world juniors, but the Red Wings didn't want to disrupt the development he was getting in the SHL. It's looking like that was a master stroke because, uh, obviously defenseman of the year can't go wrong there. Uh, and so my runner up and somebody that I also considered as the top prospect, Jonathan Berggren, um, with lefty, uh, 45 points in 49 games. That was good for, I believe, seventh in the SHL. And again, for, a you know, a prospect to do that, uh, you know, a younger player, you know, the SHL, it's one of the best leagues in the world. I think, you know, if you kind of counted them down, it's, I mean, it's definitely top five. It might be sort of three or four, depending on how you feel about the AHL and the KHL. But again, the progression with him has been steady. Uh, I think he basically doubled his point totals year over year um, in the SHL. So you love to see that, you know, this was a kid that, you know, when they drafted him, he was a bit of a project with a lot of potential. We are seeing that potential now. So bright future for Bergen. Next step obviously is, you know, make his mark in North America and, and get on that path to uh, a regular spot with the Red Wings. All right, Red Wings, I know it's tough right now, but, you know, you got your coach signed up for a couple more years. You got some prospects coming. Hopefully things turn around for you guys because I know how, how much fun all those playoff runs were for you guys, and now you might be getting closer than you think to that. It, it'll take a bit, but the next couple of drafts will be really important for this team. Now, to finish up the areas slash nations slash leagues, Russia, and I think this is an easy one. A certain guy who was quite dominant at a very young age, the one where if you talk to scouts, the names Gatsuk and Kucherov show up, and even Malkin to a point. Who am I talking about? You're talking about Matyay Mitchkov, everybody's favorite Russian son. Uh, 2023 draft, 35 goals in 50 games with SKA 1946, coupled with Variagi. Um, but he led, he led the the junior league in goal scoring. And that's incredible for a kid that's just 16 right now. World under 18 MVP, you know, got Russia to the final. Uh, they were very competitive against Canada. Ultimately they fell short, but Mitch Kopp was awesome. I mean, yeah, we've talked about it. Him and Connor Bedard are going to be so exciting to watch from here on out. And particularly when they finally get to their draft year in 2023, it's just going to be, it's, I mean, it's going to be a hilarious battle of skill between the two of them and one that's going to be so much fun to watch. Um, but Mitchkov, obviously worth the price of admission every night. So dynamic, so creative and smart with the puck. 
uh, and so much drive. So that was an easy one. As my runner up, uh, I went with another junior player because, you know, the KHL, you just, you don't get a lot of prospects making big dents. Um, you know, Chinikov had a pretty good year, the Columbus pick, uh, but I'm going with Alexander Kisikov uh, with Moscow Dynamo's junior team. Uh, 73 points in 61 games. He's up for the draft this year. Um, you know, he's a late 2002 birthday, so first time eligible. And that Dynamo Moscow team, they were really good. You know, um, you know, they had some good veteran junior players. Uh, They're very deep. And Kisikov uh, fit in there, even though he's a bit younger. Um, again, just a dynamic player. He sort of finds his spots. He's not the biggest kid in the world. You know, he's pretty skinny, but gets the job done. It's fun to watch in the offensive zone. And uh, again, it'll be fun to see where he goes in the draft. I think he'll probably be a second rounder. Uh, but again, you know, if a team really likes them, maybe they jump up. Uh, if, if you worry about the Russian factor, maybe he falls a little bit, but he had an awesome year in the junior league in Russia. So uh, I think he's a great candidate for a, a runner up there. That's one that, uh, you know, he doesn't get a lot of attention because this is not a super strong year for, for Russian prospects, but it's also a situation where you look at Russia and a lot of these really high quality players will go and play in the KHL and they'll play two or three minutes a game yeah. uh, or, or even nothing. So the fact that he was, he played so well in the MHL when he goes up, he'll be ready to go. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, you know, there's, there's guys that are going to go ahead of him. Fyodor Svechkov had a fantastic season. Um, you know, Nikita Chabrikov had a fantastic season as well. But just in terms of raw numbers, I thought Kisikov was so consistent. And, you know, because he was in, he's an 02, he was too old to play in the world under 18. So we didn't get to see him on that stage. Um, but, you know, I, I think the, the overall body of his work was very impressive. And uh, so I'm, gonna, I'm giving him a hat tip there because he was a bit slept on. If, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who is your overall prospect of the year, no matter where? See, that's a great question. And you know what? I mean, I think I'll probably go with Cole Caulfield. Safe one. Uh, just, you know, what he accomplished was really good. And the fact that he made a pretty seamless transition to the AHL at his size, um, I, think, I, I, think, I, I think he'd be the guy. And, and probably, you know, either Mitchkoff or Bedard would be kind of runners up, just even though they're so young. I mean, they just blew the doors off the place. All right. Well, that's that for all the kind of the major areas, obviously. Shout out to Dimitri Kuzman, one of the best guys from Belarus. But otherwise, this was a, a very fun year to watch because it was so odd. Some players in different places. And hopefully we never have to have a season like this where you're tracking down where the heck these guys are playing on a given basis and players can play where they're most comfortable. But, you know, at least these guys got to play. So that's it for the awards we have got Owen Power going to talk to our Ken Campbell to finish off the episode. We've talked a lot about Owen Power, but it just briefly, why is he so good? I mean, he's got no flaws in his game. That's the big thing. You know, I mean, he's almost six foot six. He's really well. He can contribute at both ends of the ice. You know, not only did he put up great points for the University of Michigan this year, but I think he also led them in block shots or he was one of their leaders in block shots. So he's helping you out at both ends. And uh, yeah, he just he, he can kind of just do it all. And he's right now, I think, the number one favorite to go first overall. You've said it. Other scouts have said it. Bob McKenzie has said it. It seems like something where if you're picking first overall, good chance you're looking at him. All right. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Enjoy the interview. 
Well, hello everyone. Ken Campbell, senior writer from the Hockey News here with uh, 2021 draft prospect and possibly the first overall pick in the NHL draft this year, Owen Power of the University of Michigan. Thanks for joining me, Owen. Uh, how's your offseason going? Um, yeah, it's been pretty good so far. So um, it's nice to be back home and um, yeah, I'm just excited to be here. Right. Okay. Well, I just... I, uh, I was talking to your dad just recently and he said, you're a man of few words. So we're going to try and get you. Talking, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah. I guess, first of all, Owen, you know, like it's kind of interesting because this doesn't happen ever really, you know, where you have three kids from the same college team or, or any team for that matter. So highly rated. I mean, you know, part of it is because you guys are all late birthdays. And, and so usually by the time a guy gets to college, he's already been drafted, but, for your case, it's different. And, you know, you're all very elite players. I, I'm wondering how the three of you have handled all of this. And if you, you know, if you've kind of developed a, a bond over, you know, sort of going through this shared experience together. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like all, all three of us are close, but I think for the most part, all the freshmen are really close. So, um, I mean, I don't think we really talked about it that much, if at all, um, yeah. here and there, like if we saw stuff, we would, we would say something maybe, but, um, I mean, I don't think it's done anything to bring us together. Like, I think we were just close to, to begin with the whole group. So, um, I mean, obviously it's nice kind of having those guys kind of go through the same thing with, I mean, most of our interviews came at the same time. So we get a little asked, ask them what they're asking, get a little prepared for it. So, um, it probably made it a bit easier just having those guys do it with me. Yeah. I, I was talking to Ken Johnson and he said, yeah, we would, say to each other, oh, well, yeah, I just got a text from, uh, you know, this team. Uh, and, and you'd be like, yeah, I got a text from them too. And yeah. you would be like, yeah, I got that one too. So <laughs> they, were all, they were kind of all hitting you up at the same time, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think we pretty much did all the same teams at the same time or same couple of days, so. Yeah, but it, it's it's nice to be able to go through that with somebody, right? And, you know, because I mean, I mean, I know that you probably haven't let it bother you too much, but. I mean, there must be some pressure, you know, when you're knowing that, you know, this is a, a very important year for you in terms of your, you know, where you're going to get picked and and that sort of thing. It's There's a bit of pressure involved there, isn't there? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I don't think too much. I think all of us know that it's kind of out of our control who picks us and um, where we go. So, I mean, I, I feel like for the pressure part, it hasn't really done much for me, at least. I don't know how it's been with them, but I think just kind of um, being more prepared, it's helped with that. Just having those guys going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, obviously an incredible uh, recruiting class this year at the university of Michigan and you three guys, Tom, uh, you know, Thomas Bordalo and Brendan Brisson and you know, the list goes on. Um I, I mean, you know, I, I've been talking to some scouts and they said, yeah, all three of them said they're going back for sure. You know, they, they all intend on going back, but, and I think sort of, you're the, you're the one that, that might be the, the, the wild card here and all of that. And, you know, especially if you get taken first, I'm wondering where your head is in terms of, you know, wanting to go back to school or wanting to turn pro or have you given that much thought yet? Um, yeah. I mean, right now, like, I, I feel like I'm probably leaning more towards going back to school, just, um, just what I think, but I think that obviously is a discussion to, to be had with, with the team that picks me. So, um, I wouldn't say it's for sure going back. I think it's something that, um, we'll probably figure out once the draft happens after. 
Right. Right. I mean, the, t- the templates there for, for guys like, uh, you know, I mean, you weren't there yet, but a guy like Quinn Hughes, you know, who, who was drafted, they wanted him to come out. He stayed the extra year and, you know, and obviously it was a good decision, you know, Kale McCarr, same sort of thing. They want him to come out, stayed an extra year, won the Hobie Baker dominated at that level. And then, you know, obviously now is in a really good spot. Do you sort of look to that kind of as, as maybe a, a route for yourself too, or, you know, like, do you, do you ever think about, you know, while those guys did it, so maybe that would be a good thing for me to do too. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's been a lot of D that, um, have got drafted and stayed one or two years after and um, they've came out and made an impact immediately. So, um, I I mean, just looking at that, like, yeah, I guess it gives me something to kind of base myself off of. So, um, but I think just, it's different for, for all those guys. It's going to be different for me. It's going to be different for Ken and Maddie. So um, we'll just play by ear. Right. Exactly. Um, Tell me a little bit about you as a player on what, uh, describe yourself as a player what uh, what can people expect to see from from Owen Power yeah I think I'm a, a two-way defenseman that um could play all three zones in every situation so I think I'm someone that thinks the game um at a high level and um makes it makes an impact on every game mm-hmm. and I, I was asking the other guys too I want to get your scouting report on the other two guys uh, I, I've asked them their scouting reports on the two guys. What's your what's your scouting report on Maddie Beneers and your scouting report on Kent Johnson? Um, yeah, I mean for Maddie, like he's just someone that's got such a high motor, like he's always going. Um, he never really seems to get tired. And then um obviously offensively he's he's really good. So um I think he's got like a really solid two-way game and um a, a high motor and he's always going. And then for Kent, um I think he's just so skilled and so smart. And um, some of the things he does offensively just kind of shocks you, um, even just in practice. So I think he's just a really fun guy to watch and um, someone who's got so much skill. Yeah, it's funny, Ed. It's funny. Everybody that has talked about Matt Matt Beneers to me has used that word, motor. And uh, I was watching a clip. You guys were playing Michigan State, and he was killing a penalty. And he carries, like, he gains the blue line, skates in, rags the puck, skates back out, skates back in, kills off, like, 17 seconds of a penalty, and then, like, dishes it off to the defenseman. Like, and, like, they were just chasing him around, and, like, he just, they couldn't, they couldn't do anything, you know, and they were with one on a power play. <laughs> yeah. So he's, uh, he's got, he, that, that motor really seems to be a good way to describe him. Um. I guess, you know, when you think about if, if you do go back next year, um, I, I would think you guys have a chance to do something pretty special. I mean, that's a, that's a good group you have. And obviously you, you know, you couldn't do it this year because of, you know, because of circumstances that were out of your control with COVID. Um, but do you sort of think about how good this team could possibly be next year? Yeah. Um, I mean, we knew how good we could have been this year and then um, just next year, like, we're not losing too many guys. Um, so we're just having another year of experience and then we got, we've got some good freshmen coming in. So, um, I mean, everyone's excited for, for the team and everyone kind of thinks we got a really good chance of of winning it. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you probably, you lose Cam York, you bring in Luke Hughes, you know, like, so it's, it looks like it'll be a, it looks like it'll be a very formidable team, especially if, you know, if, if you return as well. Right. 
yeah, no, for sure. So we're excited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just wondering, like, have you, do you pattern your game after anybody? Do you like, was there, is there anybody that you sort of wanted to be like when you were growing up, uh, and playing? Uh, I mean, growing up, like, I don't know. I've didn't have anyone. I wasn't really thinking about my game after I just kind of watched as a fan. Mm. Um, but I mean, as I got older, um, I started to pay more attention to the D and I mean, some, someone that I like watching is Victor Hedman. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he's probably the best in, in the league and, um, they've got some similarities in our game and, um, I think I could use him and, and learn from a lot of stuff he does and put it in my game. Right. Right. Well, you've got the same dimensions. You're what? Six, five, about two fifteen now. Is that, uh, yeah, it's two ten to two fifteen. So, oh, yeah. okay. Well, that's pretty, that's a good, that's a good package. Um, so I'm, I'm, I wanted to ask you about your decision and your path to Michigan. You know, you, you were, you obviously were very highly touted coming out of the uh, GTHL. Um, you know, I know, I know Flint picked you in the second round, I believe uh, 22nd overall. Um, you obviously would have been a much higher pick if you had been willing to play in that league for sure. But, you know, I mean, and then I was, I, I saw your dad about, it. he said, you know, we didn't want him to go away from home. Uh, but that, then that's, that's what ended up happening. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your decision to go play for Chicago and, and what that did for you? I mean, obviously like, I mean, the Chicago steel, that is like maybe the best program in North America at the junior A level. Um, you know, they've got, they're the gold standard. So can you tell me a little bit about your experience there and what led you there and that sort of thing? Um, yeah. So like, I mean, I knew I wanted to go play college. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like my dad said, like, I, we didn't know if I was ready to go away. I was still 15. So, um, the plan was just to stay here and play in the OJ. And then, um, I ended up getting drafted by, by Chicago and, um, went down there and really liked it. And then, uh, I think even still after I went down, like I kind of want to go, but I think my par parents were kind of leaning on more, uh, for me just staying at home for one year. So, um, but then it ended up the Ryan Hardy and Greg Moore from Chicago um, ended up coming pretty hard at me and um, get, getting my parents convinced that, that it would be a good spot for me. So um, I think it's probably one of the best decisions I made. Yeah. What did it do for your game? Oh, and like, what, how did your game grow in those two years? Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's done so much for me. Like it, it's just, I, my first year, especially, I just learned so much um, just, go on practicing every day, um, against those guys. Like I thought it was so good for me and, um, everyone really that goes there. So, um, just all the detail that they put into, to the development of, of each and every guy with the different skills coaches and, and watching videos. So, um, I think that's Chicago has been a huge, huge factor into, uh, where I am today. Yeah. Well, it's, it's certainly, uh, certainly was a springboard to, to some pretty big things for you because that's where, you know, you really put yourself on the map, I guess. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, you couldn't go to the world junior camp this year because of, because of the COVID restrictions and that sort of thing. And, you know, I mean, that, that obviously would be, uh, uh, something that, that, you know, you'd have a very good chance to be doing in the future. Have you, have you thought about playing in that tournament? And, you know, I mean, that would all be part and parcel of the development of, you know, coming up, you know, have you thought about the world juniors this year and, you know, possibly, you know, being a part of that? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's a dream for any kid from Canada, I think, that plays hockey to play on the, the world junior team. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited uh, to have a chance to play this year. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I thought about it, but I'm not, like, wasting my time just thinking about it all. Um, yeah. In the future, I know I got to put in some work. So, I don't, I don't get, I get the sense that you're not um, like, you're not um, like obsessing about all of this stuff. Like you, you seem to have a pretty good perspective on the situation and what you have to do and that kind of thing. Like you, you don't seem to be too wrapped up in all of it. Yeah. I mean, like I said before, like I know all, pretty much all of this is out of my control. So um, I'm just worried about getting better every day and um, focusing on what I need to do to, to get to the next level. So, yeah. um, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I don't think I really, I, I should say I don't care for it, but it doesn't, doesn't bother me one way or another. Yeah. So you're not like, I got to go number one. I got to go number one kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously it's something that you, you work for, but at the end of the day, once the draft's over, it doesn't really matter and no one really cares. So, um, <laughs> you still got to work for your spot in the lineup and, um, to become a, a good player in the NHL. Yeah, exactly. That's that's sort of, that's just the beginning. The work just sort of begins on that day, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How do you get? How do you get better right now? Like, I'm assuming you'd have to quarantine. You'd have you've had to quarantine and kind of hang around the house and that. I mean, are you able to to do things around the house that uh, you know can can sort of keep you in shape and and keep you sharp? Yeah. So I'm actually out of quarantine now, but okay. um, when I first got at home. When I first got home, was, I was kind of stuck here, but I'm lucky where um, we we got a pretty good gym set up in the garage where I've been able to get some lifts in. Um, and then we got a, a nice paved road, road where I just go out and um, go on my rollerblades and just kind of fool around. So, um, I mean, that's kind of just what I've been doing. And I did that a lot last summer. So, um, it, I mean, it's fun and uh, I think it gets you gets you better. What kind of gym do you have in the garage? Like that must be quite a gym. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. So we got like a, a squat rack and um, pull up bar and then a whole bunch of, of dumbbells and um, a landmine trap bar. So um, where I've, I've been lucky where um, it's kind of been here for me during this lockdown. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. That's, that's a great thing because you can't go anywhere and do any of that in a gym or anything. So yeah. So that's, that's a, it's a real boon to have something like that at your disposal, I guess. Yeah, no, for sure. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well on, uh, best of luck in the, the coming, uh, months and, uh, and that, uh, best of luck on July 23rd, uh, the day of the draft. I'm sure you'll be, uh, you'll be watching like everybody else and, uh, too bad it's, it's going to be remote again, obviously. Uh, but uh, but good luck with that. Good luck with your career and whatever you end up doing, I'm sure we'll we'll be hearing again from you really soon. And uh, I just uh, just want to make sure that uh, you know that we're uh, we're going to be keeping our eye on you. And uh, good luck with everything. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Owen.